0: I uh, first met Ted about 20 years ago. Uh, he was at a church I was at. He was a key leader in the church. Very personable guy. If you would have met him, you would have liked him. You cannot help but like him. Huge smile. Very confident. He was uh, an elder. He was uh, also a very, very successful corporate lawyer. Um, his daughters were in my youth group, uh, So when his wife requested that she meet with me, it wasn't an out-of-the-ordinary kind of thing. But when she came in, uh, she looked like she hadn't slept in three or four days. And as uh, she was talking to me, crying the whole time, she let me know that uh, Ted had... There was an intern that came into their uh, offices, and uh, he had had an affair with this gal... And then he, uh, when he was found out, left the the family, left the girls, left the the church. Uh, We were trying to contemplate what do we do as a church as far as uh, church discipline. I remember he uh, uh, withdrew his membership, called the church with lots of legalese, threatened us substantially if we uh, decided to go public ourselves or in any way. Uh, slandered him um, but you know one of the things in my mind I'm thinking what is it about this sexual power thing that would cause somebody to throw everything away I mean we're, I mean everything his, his daughters who adored him and his his wife and his role in the church and, and everything uh, as a youth pastor I've watched a lot of kids derail their futures by a lack of sexual integrity I've seen uh, middle-aged folk, uh, believe it or not, in my experience, more women than men, uh, blow apart their, their lives by a lack of sexual integrity. Uh, you'd be surprised how many seniors uh, living in sinful relationships, um, no sexual in- integrity. I mean, this is not a, a young man's thing. This is a people thing. And, you, you wonder, there, there are only ten commandments, right? I mean, there's only ten. There's a lot of sins that don't make that list. But, but out of the ten, two of them deal with sexual integrity. You've got number seven, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, easy enough. And then ten, thou shalt not covet, right? But that lists a bunch of things that you can covet. Desire in your heart. First thing on the list, you should not covet your neighbor's wife. Any person outside your your right, rightful sphere, someone who's not in marital uh, covenant with you, you should not desire them. Too. I think this is why Solomon, in this first nine chapters of Proverbs, there is nothing that comes close to taking as much copy and as much attention as this idea of sexual integrity. It's just all over the place. Chapter 5, entire chapter deals with it. Half of chapter 6 deals with it. All of chapter 7 deals with this. Solomon, who was going to blow this out, right? I mean, I think he's writing this before he had his issues, but um, he knows. This is although it makes it all the worse for him, right? He knows that nothing can create the damage, the destruction, the disrupt life like this can. And so he's kind of warning his his sons. Our, our principle this morning is, is, is simply this. Sexual lo- looseness produces pain. And you say, oh, uh, a duh. Well, it's not as much an a duh as you would think. People, you would think, oh, yeah, of course, everyone understands this. No, no, they don't. Uh, it's, it's corollary. Sexual uh, integrity produces blessing. And I think that's, the, that's what he's really trying to drive into his, his, his kids here. Uh, a key verse, this whole section, 5, 6, 7, key verse, Proverbs six thirty two. key verse. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. That's really a summarization of these three chapters. Now, um, if I'm a young person, young people... I would say you write this verse down on a card somewhere you you put it in memory and you say this you commit to it and you say you know what I might mess up in life but this is one place I am not going to mess up this I am going between now and the time I die god would you help me to get through life and keep this one hold on to this if if if, I, if you're a midlife adult I am saying you should write this down and you should commit to it you should say you know what between here and, and the end you know what god may this reflect me i'm not going to destroy my life i'm not going to lack sex i'm sense i am going to to commit here may if you are a senior i would say the word of god is powerful we're not none of us are safe until we're we're home right i was reading this this week of a uh, gal who was t- talking to uh, her pastor and said pray for my family because it just came out my father has a mistress and it's kind of disrupting the family and the, uh, the gentleman asked this, this girl who was an adult he said well how old's your dad she said well he's 76 uh, this is a, 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 a people thing this is something we need, to, we need to address and so this is what we're, we're gonna do this morning we're gonna we're going to um, look at our, our key verse we're then going to look at some observations from chapter 5 and 7 specifically. And then what we're after is, are there any direction in there how we can be people of sexual integrity? And I think he's got some very clear things in there. But first of all, notice this verse. Okay, let's just, let's just unpack this for just a minute. Uh, he who commits adultery. What is adultery? Okay, we're going to get real basic here. But there's a reason. Be with me for a second. Adultery is when there is sexual involvement with somebody other than your spouse, with somebody other than the person you are in marital covenant with. Now, now why I say that is because traditionally uh, adultery means sexual involvement with another person's spouse, someone else who's mar- someone who's married to someone else. And because of that, what happens is a lot of folks say, well, see, premarital sex isn't wrong. Just, you know, once you get married, you got to be true and all those other things. But see, once you... But premarital, is it is it wrong? Show me a verse. Yes, it's all over scripture that, that premarital sex is wrong. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is writing, and he says, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband does he say that because of sexual temptation you know check out tinder uh, why don't you go to that brothel why don't you just find somebody no 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 because of sexual temptation get married uh, in chapter, chapter 7 verse 9 he pushes this a little bit further he says to the unmarried and the widows I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. He's pushing for singleness here. He says, But if they cannot exercise self control, not, you know, just in Rome, just do not go find somebody, he says, then they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. God only blesses sexual expression in the context of marriage between one man and one woman. That's the only way. That's the only, only place sexual expression is blessed by God in Scripture is between one man, one woman in the context of marriage. It says that he who commits adultery lacks sense. Now what's his lack of sense? Well, yeah, is an idiot, right? He is he's a moron, he is an ignoramus, all those kind of things that, that fits. But he's not calling names. Solomon's not calling names, it's just an observation. Uh, their understanding is, is really small. That they haven't thought what's going to happen next week. In two months, how might this play out? What will happen if I get caught one year from now? What kind of impact might they have thought those things? Their their understanding is small. So those who who commit adultery have not thought this out. Because if they did, they'd realize, you know what? There's just too much at stake here. They lack sense. He who does it destroys himself. I think this is interesting. Not he who does it destroys others which we know is true, but he doesn't go there. He who does it destroys himself. Now, you got to know, folk who enter into adultery are not thinking, I'm going to destroy myself, but this is what transpires. Paul, again, is going to nail this one in 1 Corinthians. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. All sin is bad. All sin required Jesus to die. All sin will keep you out of heaven. No question about it. All sin separates. Yes, yes. But sexual sin is in a different category. There's a heinousness to it. in the fact that those who, who go there end up destroying their own soul. They end up marking their own psyche. They're, they end up twisting and creating scars within in ways that that uh, other sins don't do. They destroy themselves, he says. Well, as, as we look at, at, at Proverbs, we're gonna, if you've got your Bibles, turn. Chapter 5, chapter 7, we're going to be bouncing back and forth. I think it's, it's important for you to kind of see this in your own uh, scripture. Uh, great, great uh, text. But beginning in, in chapter 5, it says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. The forbidden is just somebody who, who is... Your text may say, strange woman, right? That that is just somebody who is unfamiliar, who is not in that covenant relationship with you. Someone who's on the outside of that covenant relationship with you. That is a forbidden person. The lips of that forbidden person, forbidden woman, drip honey. They didn't have processed sugar. They didn't have stevia back at this point. The sweetest thing they knew, honey. It's not kisses. What is it? And her speech is smoother than oil. The second line in Hebrew poetry is going to describe the first line. We see this multiple times in chapter 6. We see this again. He talks about gain wisdom, gain wisdom, and it says that what it will do is it will preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Gain wisdom, gain wisdom, because it will keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. In, in verse 21 of chapter 7, look what it says. I think it's the next little slide maybe I don't have it I got it here though haha <laughs> it says this with much seductive speech she persuades them with her smooth talk she compels them notice the most attractive thing about this girl is not her her looks it has nothing to do with her looks it's her speech now, now yes stick with me because it's important because folk will say hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on how come picking on the women I mean, it's like the women are smooth talkers. And how about, I know a lot of guys who are actually more smooth talkers than the women. And those, you know, silver tongue devils and, and all that kind of stuff. How come, what are they? Is this sexist? Is this chauvinistic? How come we're just slamming the women here? And it's, it's not those things in, in any way, shape, or form. If you follow Proverbs, first nine chapters, uh, Solomon, has two personifications. These are like his main characters, right? He's got Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. In these first nine chapters, they end up competing with each other. And the wise people... Will go with Lady Wisdom, and the foolish people will go with Lady Folly, and then there's a third person, a simpleton. He's like right in the middle, and he's not sure which way to go. And Lady Wisdom is calling out to him, and Lady Folly is calling out to him, and he's he's in in between. He personifies wisdom and folly with it's, with the woman. It's like uh, Mother Nature or Lady Liberty. It, it's it's a personification. It has nothing to do with female gender. It's got everything to do, the smooth, oiled speech, honey lips. It's got everything to do with this message. And he says there's a message out there that she's personifying, that she represents. What is that message? Chapter, in chapter 7, verse six it says for at the window of my house he's going to give a case study he says i looked out through my lattice and i've seen among the simple i perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense now right away we got Our antenna go up because he just told us that he who commits adultery lacks sense. So, okay, what's going on here? Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. We're going to skip verses 11 and 12. We'll come back there in a second she seizes him and kisses him and with bold face she says to him here's the honey lips right here not the kisses, it's, it's coming up and this is what she says I had to offer sacrifices and today I have paid my vows so now I have come out to meet you to seek you eagerly and I have found you the first part of this message is maybe even a hint of spiritual, there's the sacrifices this is, she's sincere this is genuine, this is real this is bigger than you or I, this is, maybe God ordained, maybe God brought us together, and then look what, she flatters this guy, and so I've come out to see you, I've been looking for you my whole life, and I've just found you, you're my soulmate you're not like the others, what we have is very special, what we have is very real, this is the message that's going out, and then she's Says, I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. This picture is painted is of ecstasy, it's of incredible. It's, it's, it, it hits all senses, right? It's got the, 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 the smells, the yellows, the, 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 the cinnamon, it's got the textures, the, the fine silks. It, it has beauty. It's, what else you might find is second rate. But here, s- s- sexual fulfillment, sexual exhilaration and ecstasy. it's right here. you don't want to miss it. This, this is what it's all about. This is, this is her, her message. Paints this picture in mind that if I don't go down this road, somehow I'm going to miss out. I'm going to lose. But the the message, her message gets better. Verse 19. She says, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with them at full moon. He will come home. What she's saying, she's saying, we'll never get caught. There's 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 no there's, there's no consequences here. Well, we're, we're, we're never getting caught. There's no way we're gonna get caught here. Maybe what she's saying too. Maybe because she's got this husband who, when he comes back home, she's planning on him still being her husband. So maybe she's saying, "You don't have to leave anybody. I'm not gonna leave anybody. No commitments. We're just just just." something that is going to bring life to us, something that, that we're going to be able to enjoy. We'll be able to keep everything else. This will have zero consequences, zero hurt, zero pain. Promise, 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 promise. This is the message. One more aspect about this message that makes it so uh, uh, deadly. Verse 11 and 12, we skipped it earlier. It says, she is loud and wayward, her feet do not stay at home, now in the street, now in the market, at every corner she lies in wait. The, her message is loud. It drowns out all the rest. Her message is everywhere. You can't go anywhere and not hear this message. You go to the market, you're going to hear it, right? You stay at home, you're going to hear it. You go to the school, you're going to hear it. You get on the internet, you're certainly going to hear it. Wherever you go, you hear this. It's pervasive. You cannot not, it's, 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 it's uh, enveloping you it's loud it's enveloping you you grid on the the internet all you all you want to do is check out the highlights nfl.com i just want to see the highlights it's all i want to see but there's this big ad over here featuring the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and check out the greatest cheerleader pitchers from this past weekend. Well, I guess that's football maybe. And and then you start thinking, go to, go to the mall and you walk by Abercrombie and Fitch and you're not looking for anything. But you know what? It's You go to the mailbox for crying out loud, Bill, Bill, Bill. Victoria's Secret catalog. How in the world did we get on this mailing list? And and you you go to the gym and what people are wearing kind of freaks you out. And then you go to the peninsula and what they're not wearing freaks you out. And you get on the internet and everything in between and the ads are popping up. You cannot, we can't just go live in a cave our whole lives. And if we did, you know what? You're got—you bringing your mind with you in in the cave so everything doesn't just go away. So we're there uh, being bombarded with this message. He says, this message, son, this message, daughter, that you can have, it's going to give, it's going to give, joyful, exhilaration, ecstasy, no consequences. That's the message that's coming at us all the time. This message is loud. It's pervasive. That's what she's promising. Lots of delight. But what's the truth? Well, again, chapter 5 It says, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end... You know, know, there's always an end. That's the problem with this guy. He doesn't have sense because he doesn't think about the end. But in the end, wormwood. it's, It's the most bitter thing they know. Wormwood, death is written on this. You know, it was several uh, months ago I, I got a mousetrap contraption because uh... Um, we have a mouse obviously in our backyard and and i would normally not touch the mouse in our backyard he's got a right to live yada yada until he gets too close to my house right And then he starts burrowing underneath my patio thing and youtube people said you know what there's a lot of you go see where i go for counsel this is a bad thing isn't it that uh, they said you better get rid of him before winter comes because then he's gonna want to get in your house and they're pretty they can get there so i'm thinking okay so i buy this mousetrap contraption but I I didn't want one of those type things because it's going to be laying in our backyard and we've got kids who play in the backyard stuff. So I thought I don't want to go there. So it's really cool. It's a little house looking thing. And you, you have these tablets. Have you seen these? And you open these tablets and you stick in there. And they're food for, for the mouse. And I don't know if mice are colorblind or not. But when you open them up, they're bright. Pink, You know, really, kind of, wow, it looks cool. And when you open it up, it smells like double bubble on steroids. You know, it's like beautiful smells. It's like, oh, man, it smells so sweet and good. I'm tempted to lick this thing, right? And just just to see. But I know something the mice don't know. There's a skull and crossbones on this package. And I know that this... Even though it looks good, even though it smells good, and even though I bet it probably tastes good, it's to lure the, the mouse to eat some of it to go back home. He'll go to his nest and not wake up. It will kill him. And that's the way adultery is. Promises everything. Looks good. Honey lips. It looks bright. It looks fun. It looks exciting. Death. Death. In chapter seven. This is the way the, he says it in chapter 7, verse 22. It says, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast, got caught in a trap till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And then in chapter 5, he goes through some of the things, some of the, some of the costs involved. In verse 8, it said, Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and you give your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of the foreigner. Her promises are, are this doesn't cost you anything. We're going to give to you and give to you and give to you. But actually, you're the one that has to give. They're going to take from you is the the result. It says in verse 11, And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation he says I knew this shouldn't, I shouldn't have went this way I know it I, I hesitate to use this illustration but I will all the same because it's so, so poignant for me Bill Hybels I don't know if you're familiar with Bill Hybels He's the pastor of Willow Creek Community Church Former pastor uh, Bill started this church in the 70s And his goal was to uh, He saw so many people who didn't know Christ And the, the traditional church he felt wasn't reaching them And so he started this church Well his church today Willow Creek in suburbs of Chicago 25,000 on a weekend they have uh, Andy Stanley came to visit Bill Hybels Church And saw and went back and kind of fashioned his whole deal after this philosophy. Uh, it's not an exaggeration to say nobody since Martin Luther has impacted the way we do church more than Bill Hybels. He's the father of the whole seeker-sensitive church growth movement. He's he's the guy. He he's the father of bringing practices of organization into the church on a, a high. Level, incredibly gifted man. Last uh, year, he, no, it's not even a year ago, several months ago, he resigned. He was going to retire this coming April. I forget his retirement age, but he resigned early amidst rumors uh, of, of sexual impropriety. Many women have stepped forward. Uh, sources, very credible, Lee Strobel believes the gals, John Ortberg believes the gals, they worked at Willow for a while. I mean, just very credible situation of of sexual impropriety. And, and I, I look at this and I go, I wonder, I, I think of Heibel's sometimes. he He's the guy that wrote a book on integrity, who you are when no one's looking. This has been going on. This wasn't a one, this has been going on for years. I wonder right now, today, this morning, what's he thinking? He would have gone down in the history books, uh, you know, people erecting statues to him. Now he will go down in the history books as a cosmic hypocrite and he's lost reputation. I don't know to what extent he's lost family. I can't imagine that his children are real Proud and happy with everything that's going on. Lots of people hurt at church, lots of people who come to know Christ. And I know many who have it, his ministry. Hurt questioning. You wonder how he's feeling right now. I wonder if there's regret. I wonder if there's regret. Because adultery always costs. There's always consequences. It promises no consequences. We won't get cut. Always consequences. One way or another. Always. They're always there. Now, how do you, how do you become a person of integ- sexual integrity? How does this, this, the voice is loud. We can't get away from it. We're going to be hearing it a whole day. How can you, how can you uh, go through this life and remain sexually sane, remain sexually, uh, integrous? Uh, he offers a couple of things in chapter five, verse eight. He says, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. It's the first command. Says, keep clear, is the deal. You know, it's it, it's it's interesting. Chapter seven, uh, beginning of verse six. Just listen. let listen to this case study. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road toward her house in the twilight. In the evening, at the time of night and darkness. This guy's going out by himself. It's dark. No one's going to notice anything. He's walking into the red light district. What? You're going, you're going what is this? He's not staying far from. Wait, what's he doing? And a couple of options with this guy. One, maybe he was just going for a walk and got lost. You know, and I was in the, the Holy Land. One of, we had an afternoon off. And one of our guys on our team, he's a pastor in Ohio, but he decided to go back to the old city, Jerusalem, and just walk. It's fascinating. And the streets in the old city are probably like twice as wide as this aisle here. Not, they're not very wide. Buildings along both sides, you know. And he's walking through, and it's kind of a maze type of thing in there. He gets lost and he says he notices that the shopkeeper people are looking at him like who in the world are you and he notices that there aren't any other americans or tourists around and he notices that the area he's walking into is a little more run down he comes to the end of the the street and there are these stairs so he starts to climb them and all of a sudden there are six or seven Palestinian guards right around him they surround him with their machine guns and they're all yelling at him in Arabic uh, this one guy, supposed was the commander. Either way, he knew English. He gets right in his face and starts yelling at him, Who are you? What are you doing here? What do you want? Demanding to see ID and on and on. And he's like, I'm just a stupid American. I'm lost. You know, the kind of thing. And, and the, the commander guy says, I bet you just want a picture. Is that what you want? You just want a picture? And he says, Yeah, that's what I want. I want a picture. And so he said, okay, go up to the stairs, top of the stairs, take your picture and come back down and get out of here. So he goes up to the top of the stairs and right there is the Dome of the Rock, the third holiest place in Islam built in 691 A.D. I mean, it was, it was it's right there. So he took his pictures and he got out, got out of there. Now, got lost, the wrong place, wrong time, took the wrong turns. It's a possibility, I guess. Sometimes... We don't mean to do it. We just accidentally come across something we shouldn't come across. But I don't really think that's where this guy is at because he's uh, got this case study going on. I wonder if he thought, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to, I just want to get a little closer. You know, I just, there's, there's just kind of a rush in seeing, hearing, feeling, just being a part. I'm just going to enjoy the temptation I'm not going to fall, mind you. I'm just going to just going to get a little bit closer. Um, and Solomon would would say to him, to us, "You greatly miscalculate your strength. Oh my goodness, you have no idea how weak you are." And so he 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 gets close. A uh, second thing this guy doesn't understand is because we think, right? I'm not going to sin. That this it's the temptation's not sin, but, but but the but the and I act on the temptation, see that's sin. But what he doesn't understand, what we often forget, is when you put yourself in the place of temptation in order to enjoy the temptation, that is sin. And so this this, this guy has put himself outside the, the protection of God, he's put himself in a situation that he can't control. It's way beyond him. It, first thing he would say to us is stay clear, stay clear, keep far from her, don't go near her place, when you, let's just ask, when you get on the internet, you go places you know, you're not going to do anything, of course, you go places, when you, when you listen to some music and you know the words are actually saying exactly what this lady's message is and it's not going to affect me, stay clear, he says. When you're hanging out with those friends and you know what they're going to talk about continuously, he says, stay clear. Stay clear. I'm not sure what staying clear might look like in your situation right now, but he says, first thing, if you want to be a person of sexual integrity, stay clear from your house. No, we think, well, that's all I got to do. I just got to avoid the bad. He's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not it at all. Chapter 5, we're at. He brings up the second thing. So you want to stay clear, but you also want to stay near. Verse 15. After warning them what's going to happen and and stay clear, verse 15 he says, Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. You know, people outside your your, your, your marital covenant circle. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. By the way, that's a command. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. That's a, a command there's there's two sets of commands in this whole section one section is, one, one set of the commands is really simple stay clear in this section the, the commands are stay near avoid adultery you gotta say no you gotta say no adultery is never ever right ever doesn't matter how you want to justify it doesn't matter what you think your spouse has done or hasn't done or what their issues are but it is never right in any way shape or form You've got to say no, but the second thing is you've got to stay near. Got to, if you water the grass on your side of the fence, it's going to be greener than the grass on the other side of the fence. Now, I, I, this is another way these honey lips things work here. Um, you go to work, you go to the club, you go to the gym, you go somewhere where there's a group of people, right? And somebody notices you. You've got a new shirt, you've got a new dress, you've got your haircut. And they notice you and they say, hey, that looks good. Well, you don't know. My spouse didn't say anything about that. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And, and maybe they notice you're struggling with something and they offer to help. Maybe they're thinking about something and they want your opinion. May, may, maybe they empathize. Maybe they appreciate. Maybe they respect. Maybe they compliment. Maybe they see something that you've done well and they say, man, that was done fantastic. Good job. And, and you're not getting this at home, meanwhile. And so this other person is filling the tank. And, and you know what? I want to be near that kind of a person because uh, nothing sexual. I just want someone to like me, and I want someone to think I'm important, someone to value me as a person. And so, yeah, I want to be by that person, because they fill my tank, and in the process, of course, I respond, and I end up filling their tank. And then, in time, our conversation goes a little bit deeper. Things you know, I've not told anyone else, but I know I can trust, you know, old honey lips here, and and, and you know, she so can trust me. And so we, we we share, and it gets deeper. And then, as we're talking, in time, I notice the dimples and the hair thing and the, the funny mannerism, and it's kind of cute. And you see, the the the, the veil between emotional adultery and physical adultery is just incredibly thin. It's just incredibly. Incredibly thin. And so here's a, a question. Are you filling up your spouse's tank? Do you know do you know that nobody appreciates your spouse more than you do, that nobody compliments them more than you do? That that nobody respects or admires them, nobody more than you do? Do you know they know that? Because if you don't, I mean, the, the, you know, you've been married for a while. The whole romance thing, the way it works is no one means this. We can get busy and life gets busy and it's, it's like that slow leak in the tire and sooner or later it's, it's just flat because we're just doing too many other things. And he's just saying one of the things you have to keep your attention to is you've got to s- stay clear of what you're supposed to stay clear of, the forbidden, but you've got to stay near that which you've already committed to. You have to make it your focus. You have to pour into it. It's, it's so- Song of Solomon, fascinating. Song of Solomon, this, the, the, the beloved is talking. And she, she says, Awaken not my love before it's time. She says this multiple times in the book. And what she, she's saying, she's saying, a, a sexual uh, fulfillment that isn't righteous. Is deadly. And, and therefore, to say no to unrighteously fulfilling myself sexually is to say yes to building my marriage, to strengthening my marriage. You know, we want to stay clear, we want to stay near. There's one other thing, and we're not going to spend much time. Verse 21, it says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. You know, let me just mention this real quick. You know, this is the only place in this text that God's name appears? Only place. Chapter 5, 6, 7, it's the only place. And it almost is kind of like an afterthought, isn't it? And if you notice in your Bible... Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. What that means is the word is Yahweh. It's God's personal name. It's God's covenant name. And he's just reminding them, by the way, you're in relationship with Yahweh. You you know what? He's always with you. Sees everything. I don't know if he's inferring judgment, maybe, but he's just saying, remember who you belong to. He's saying you've got to stay clear from what you need to stay clear of, the forbidden, you need to stay near, and you need to remember who you belong to. Just remember, he's always with you. Always, always, always. You're in covenant relationship with him. And if you get those things down, in life, as you go through life, as you're hearing the voices, and they're not going to get softer, I think. I think they'll get nothing but louder as we go through life. Uh, You'll be able to make it, not fall. Because falling is destruction. Remember, uh, uh, sexual looseness produces pain. You don't want to live your whole life coping, dealing with, uh, wrestling through. You don't, you don't have to do that. My uh, friend, I started off a message with, Ted from church, you know, a guy with a lawyer. He's going to sue us and left his family. Uh, he was in pretty deep. One night, I don't know. Jesus knocked on his heart, but he stopped. He looked around. He saw where he was. He saw what it was costing him, and he came back home in repentance and tears. Uh, today, if you if you knew this guy today, you would. If you didn't know his story, maybe. Because if you did know his story, you'd pin him as one of the most godly guys you've met. Involved in the church. Uh, great relationship with, with his wife. R- great relationship with his daughters. And I say that to say this. If you are right there thinking, you know what, right now, right where I'm at right now, I am too close, or I'm over the, the line, or I have committed whatever, and I've just got this huge guilt thing, you just need to know that our God's bigger than that even And our God brings hope and he brings redemption. That's what he does. And that will probably, I mean, that's always going to be part of your story, right? It will always be part of your story. But it doesn't have to determine your future. Other than your focus on his grace is so much deeper. Your effectiveness for his kingdom is so much deeper. It's the kind of things he does. So there's hope with that. So our goal. Principle. We want, we want to be people of sexual in- integrity. We want to stay clear from what we need to stay clear of. Again, I don't know what that looks like for you. Take home right now. You figure out what you need to stay clear from. You've gotten into. You need to get out of. You need, to, you need to stay near home. And maybe you have not been filling your spouse's bucket. And it's time that you, 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 you change some stuff. And that's where you're going. Or you just need that knowledge that he is God of hope who is with me. Would you pray with me? We just want to say thank you, Lord. Because you are always with us in the midst of, of, of uh, the temptations, the voices, the messages that, that promise so much and deliver not a whole lot more than heartbreak. God, would you help us to be people of wisdom and discernment who can see things, these things through your eyes. I pray for all of us, Lord, would there be commitments even this morning that we are going to stay clear and, and, and Father, if there are folk who 've been involved, your spirit has touched they 've been into something and they 've been getting too close I pray lord, would you would you under, would you would you help them to understand this through your eyes and the consequences here would you would you give them the strength, would you remind them to stay clear from the, that which is forbidden? Lord, for us married folk who have perhaps been neglecting, not meaning to, but we haven't stayed near, we haven't tended the garden that you've given us, may that shift and change, regardless regardless of whether our spouse would reciprocate or not. And then I pray, Lord, that you'd remind us of of who we belong to, your grace and your mercy, and your patience with us. Thank you, Lord. God, as we take this offering to, we pray that you would use it to further your gospel um, here as we raise our children uh, in Erie and in this world in Christ's name. Amen.